This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. All right, I, y'all, y'all help me out here. I've either, I've either got to buy new pants or I need to eat more. I'm, a, I'm having trouble keeping these things up. I've got a belt on. Tammy said, I said, my, 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 I said, Tammy, my waist is getting smaller. She said, no, you just don't have a rear end. And so, uh, <clears throat> whichever it is, so if y'all see me pulling and, and tugging, you just, I'm, I'm having trouble here. So, anyway, how, how's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. Awesome. Man, I'm so thankful to the Lord, and you know, I was, I was back in the, I was back in the room before, as they were rehearsing, and and uh, I was just praying and spending some time just worshiping God and thanking Him, and you know, uh, really, if if you would make a habit out of just praising God, I mean, not just even, not even asking, not just what we would consider prayer, but if you would just spend time just praising God and in worshiping God in your life, like 15 minutes a day, just 15 minutes straight, just thanking Him, praising Him, worshiping Him, man, you would be just become so aware of His presence in your life, and, and, and there's, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth or not, but he was, you know, he was back early 1900s, but man, he was, they called him, they referred to him as the Apostle of Faith, and, and man, he just, just had great power at work in his life, and, and uh, raising the dead, and all the cool stuff like that, and um, he said, he, he made this statement, he said, I would rather have, I would rather be in the presence of God for 10 seconds than to own the world with a fence around it, and there's, there's just nothing like God's presence, and, and so I was back there, and I was just praising God and worshiping him, and not praying, just thanking him, and it just came up on the inside of me, and he just made this impression on the inside of me that the privilege that you and I have to serve him and to serve his kingdom in any capacity. You, what did David say? I'd rather, be a, I'd, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at the house of God, right? And, and the, the, I mean, the privilege, the awesome privilege, and I don't know that we, I don't know if we see it like that, but the privilege and the honor that God has given to us that we could, that we could, I mean, serve in his kingdom. And when we live like that and live with the awareness of that, man, we're just, we'll always be ready. We'll be instant in season. We'll be instant out of season. We'll be prepared. We'll be ready to go. Amen. And it's, so, it's just so important. And so, uh, man, you know, he's, he's called every one of us. There's different callings and there's different, you know, different functions in the church. And, for instance, in, in uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, he's, you know, Paul's writing. He said that when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He gave gifts unto men. And he go, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. And a lot of times that's all we know about the ministry. But the purpose of that, though we would refer to it as the fivefold ministry, the purpose of these offices is to equip the saints. So he went on to say, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen? And so it's so important that we all we realize that we have a place in God's kingdom, and we ought to, we ought to count it as a privilege and an honor 
to serve him in any capacity that he calls us to. I want to pray for us before we get into the message. And um, I, I just want, you know, and, I, and I've been praying this, but I just want to pray it, and I want you to hear it and agree with it, that the Holy Spirit would, you know, not, not just do a, a greater work in us, but that he would do a greater work through us. Not only that he would just, and, and, and thank God, he's, he, he is working in us, right? He is working in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But not that he would just work in us, but that he would work through us so that we can make a difference in other people's lives. So let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your presence here. I thank you for the people, Lord. And I thank you that we all have ears to hear exactly what it is that you want to say to us this morning. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would inspire us, that he would motivate us to do all of your will. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 I was thinking back, you know, the Psalm David said this, he, he talked about restoring unto me the joy of your salvation. Anybody ever just kind of take a stand, st step back and and just remember when you got saved and the circumstances leading up to when you got saved. I, I do. I, I do it frequently, especially when I, I kind of get in a little funk or a little bit. I, man, I just, I, I, just, I just like to go back. I like to go back where I was hopeless. I like to go back when I had no direction in my life. I, I like to go back when I had just no sense of purpose in my life, no sense of being in my life. And, man, I was just... You know, let me try this, and let me try this, and let me try this, and I'll try this. And nothing ever satisfied. And so I like to go back that to the day that Jesus found me, and he gave me hope, and he gave me purpose, and he gave me an assignment. And I just like to go back to it, and it causes that, that well of salvation to spring up on the inside of you, and the joy of your salvation to spring up on the inside of you. And then all of a sudden, hey, man, you're not in the funk anymore. You're not in the dark anymore. I mean, you're seeing it, right? You're, you're experiencing it. And I think that's that, that's so important. <clears throat> but it goes beyond that. You know, our salvation, and it is referred to as a great salvation. And I don't, I don't know about you. I didn't get saved because, you know, I'm thinking, wow, I need to do something for God. That's not the reason I got saved. And I doubt if that's the reason that you got saved. I doubt if that's the reason that you gave your your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus because you just had this sense that you needed to do something for God. You're probably a lot like me. You got saved because of the consequence of your sin that was impending, right? You, you heard the gospel, and you know, thank God for the good news, but you know, the, the good news has to be contrasted with something else, right? And so the, the, the bad news is this. That the wage, we've all, we've all sinned, we've come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, spiritual death, separation from God. And so I don't know about you, that's the reason I got saved, not because I, I felt like God wanted me to do something for him, it's because I didn't want to go to hell, right? I, I didn't want to go to hell, or there's some need in your life that you were hopeless, <clears throat> that you had some great need in your life, and and you heard that God would meet that need, and you heard that God would help. And so you didn't get saved because you, you thought, man, God's, uh, I need to do something big for God. You got saved because of what God could do for you, not because of what you could do 
for him. Is that right? And I think we all probably come into the kingdom like that, but you know, because of what God can do for us, not necessarily what we can do for God. But in, in Matthew, I'm sorry, the Luke the fifth chapter, I want us to, to look at this in Luke the fifth chapter. And uh, verse one, it says, So it was as the multitude multitude pressed about him to hear the word, pressed on Jesus to hear the word of God. That he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. So we don't know how long Jesus taught. but he was you know, So all these people were gathered to him, and, and they were pressing on him, and so Jesus needed a place to stand and preach. So he said, hey, there's a boat, let's just... Go out there, and so we pushed out a little bit in Peter's boat, and and he began to he began to preach. And uh, when the, verse four says, and when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, "Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch." But Simon answered, and he said to him, "Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing." Nevertheless, at your word, everybody say at your word. word. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they and they came and they filled both the boats so that they had they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, I want you to notice this, and later on we'll see, and of course, when we, when we read about Simon, he's referring to Peter. Now, if, if you know anything about the Bible, you know there's a drastic change in Peter's life from this day until Acts chapter 2. And so, uh, Peter was by no man a perfect, he was by no means a perfect person, and we notice this, that he didn't, he didn't begin to follow Jesus because of what he could do for Jesus. He began to follow Jesus because of what Jesus did for him, right? So here's these commercial fishermen. They're out there and they're fishing all night long. They didn't catch one thing, didn't catch anything. That's not good business right there, right? And so after Jesus uses his boat, you see, you can't ever give, give something up for Jesus that he doesn't repay. You cannot outgive God. And so just the very act that Peter loaned Jesus, loaned Jesus his boat for maybe an hour or two, it was paid back to him. And so Peter began to follow Jesus, not because of what he could do for Jesus, but what Jesus did for him. And I, I think we're probably all in that same boat. That's the reason that we began to follow the Lord, right? And so he goes on to say this in verse 9. It says, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, now this is interesting, because you know, uh, uh, I think a lot of times, y'all don't read that next verse yet. I think a lot of times we, we don't realize that our end game to a relationship with Jesus is different than Jesus' end game for our relationship with him. We sometimes think that the end game of the relationship with Christ is that we get saved. Thank God I'm not going to hell. Thank God that I've got some purpose, you know, I've got hope in my life. Thank God he supplies my need. 
Thank God he heals my body and he does all of those things. But our end game is we sometimes we stop at oh, what Jesus can do for me. But Jesus' end game is what can we do for him. Amen. So notice what he says. He says, uh, he says do not be afraid. He told Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. From now on, you'll catch men. Just like Peter, just like you saw me bring in all of these fish and set them before you. Just like you saw me, uh, you, 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 I brought in all these fish for you. At my word, you did what I said. And all these fish, he said, just like that, you're going to bring people to me. Peter never thought that, you know, by following this man, that he was going to do something for him. He just thought it was always going to be that Jesus was going to do something for him. And thank God he will always do something for us, but that's not his end game. What is his end game? He said, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If you read it in Matthew chapter 4, he said, I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you just follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So I want to talk to you. You know, next week, it's uh, national. Next Sunday is national back to church Sunday. And we're going to take this opportunity. We're going to take this we're, and, and leverage this day that it's just national all over it. You're going to be hearing about it. You'll probably get postcards in the mail from other churches. Probably get a postcard in the mail from our church. And, and so we're going to take that and leverage that to fish, right? And to bring in the lost and, and bring in and, and, and fish for men. We're going to leverage that. Now, no, notice this. Jesus didn't say, Peter, follow me and I'll make you successful. He didn't say, Peter, follow me, and I'm going to make you a better spouse. He didn't say, follow me, and I'll guarantee you you'll have a different spouse. He didn't say that. He didn't say, Peter, follow me, and I'll make you rich. He didn't say, Peter, follow me, and I'll make all your dreams come true. He said, follow me, and he said, here's the, here's the one distinguishing characteristic of anyone who will follow me is I will make you a fisher of men. Now, the theological word that's around that is what we call evangelism. I know that that word, it kind of, you're like, Ugh, evangelism, here we go. I got to go out and I got I to get on the bullhorn and I got to let everybody know they're going to hell. But, you know, Jesus didn't go around telling everybody they were going to hell. Why? Because he brought the good news. He brought the good news. Amen. And the good news is God's not holding against you or counting up against you your trespasses. 2 Corinthians 5. But he's canceled them. Now, that's good news. He's not holding against. He's not counting up. He's canceled all those things. And then he told us in response to that, he said that we are ministers of reconciliation. Not going around telling and condemning everybody for how bad they are. Because everybody's got stuff in their closet. Even you. Right? 
And so, uh, anyway, he told Peter, he said, I'm going to make you a fisherman. Out of all the things Jesus could have said, if you follow me, I will make you this. I'll make you whatever. The one distinguishing characteristic, he said, if you follow me, I'm going to make you a fisherman. Just like I brought all those fish to you, you're going to bring people to me. Boy, I just, I, I, I love how excited we are about that. But this is, I mean, how would we know that someone was following Jesus? They can quote the Bible. <laughs> he didn't say if you follow me, you can quote the Bible. How would we know someone was following Jesus? Well, they pray really good. Well, that's not what he said. How would we know someone was following Jesus? Oh, because they can flow in the Holy Ghost, which is good and fine. But that's not the characteristic that Jesus highlighted to us. He said, follow me. And what? Y'all help me out. What's he going to make us into? What's he going to make us into? A fisher of men. A fisher of men. And, you know, I know that if we, it, I saw this, that someone did a, they did a survey on people who had taken, you know, like spiritual gifts test or something. And the results came back and only 8% of the thousands of people who took this spiritual gifts test, only 8% said that they were gifted in evangelism. So the very thing that Jesus commissioned his church to do, he only gifted 8% of the people to do it. How many of you know that, that math doesn't add up? No, the problem is, is that we've got in our mind what it, looks like, and we're, and we're thinking, I'm not going to have any part of that. <clears throat> I hear stories of people, they get on an airplane, somebody's sitting right next to them, and I mean, before they get off the runway, before they get it, you know, before they reach 10,000 feet and they turn off the fasten seat belt sign, I mean, they're praying the prayer of salvation with somebody. Well, that ain't me, because most of the time when I get on an airplane, I'm putting my earbuds in, I'm getting a book out so I don't have to talk to anybody, and uh, I'm just being real with you. But here's, here's the truth. God has gifted you and I to reach lost people for him. He's equipped us. He's empowered us. He's commissioned us to fish for men and to be effective at it. I mean, he didn't commission us to do something, then we're not going to be effective. No, he commissioned us to do it, and we are to be effective. And you say, well, is it going to, you know, I'm, I'm just not good enough to do that. Y'all remember the, the woman at the well of Samaria? Remember that story in John chapter 4, and, and Jesus came, and he was thirsty, and there was a woman there drawing water, and he, he said, give me a drink. And she said, what are you doing, a Jew, talking to me, a Samaritan woman? 
Samaritans and Jews don't have any, I mean, you're talking about racism. I mean, they they didn't have any dealings with each other. They didn't speak to each other. They just, and and Jesus said, hey, can you give me a drink of water? And uh, then he went on to say, if you knew who I was, you would ask me and I'd give you water that you would never thirst again. And she said, give me this water. He said, go call your husband. She said, I don't have one. He goes, yeah, I already knew that. You've had five. And the one that you're living with right now is not yours. Then no, Jesus didn't, he didn't, that's about all he said about it. Got her attention. She said, I perceive that you're a prophet. And the next thing we know, this imperfect woman, she goes back to her community and she said, Come see a man that has told me everything about me. Imperfect. What about the demon-possessed man? I mean, the, the demon-possessed man. He, anybody ever been to a cemetery at night? Me either. <laughs> but this guy, he slept in I mean, he, he slept in it, and they had... They couldn't control him, so they bound him up with chains, and he would break the chains. I mean, just demon-possessed. And Jesus comes walking up, and this demon spirit began to cry out at him, I know who you are, Jesus, Son of God, I know who you are. And Jesus says, shut up and come out of him. And the man was set free, and he went to his community. And he brought people to Jesus. I mean, Peter, oh, oh, yeah, Apostle Peter. Boy, Peter had some issues. You think you got anger issues. Peter had some anger issues. He had issues, and, uh, man, he was just an old rugged fisherman. And uh, he had some issues. But when he met Jesus and he began to follow Jesus, and then on the day of Pentecost, we know that he, you know, the, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting, peered unto them cloven tongues of fire set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. And then from that point, now listen, from that point, I mean, people started going, they, they hear in all these different languages, and, and, and Peter began to preach. I mean, Peter, and 3,000 people got saved from a guy who just previously denied Jesus, had issues. I mean, he he cursed, cursed, I mean, just cussed out a little girl, just cussed her out. And then here just a few days later, about 40 days later, he's preaching and 3,000 people get saved. You see, God's not looking for your perfection. He's not nearly as concerned about your ability. He's just looking to see if you've got any availability. Are you willing for him to use you? Well, I I can't preach like Peter. Nobody said you had to. But can you be like that woman at the well, Samaria? Can you just go tell people, hey, come see He said, I don't even know what to say to him. Can you say this? Can you say, come and see? 
So we, we got this, we've got this idea about evangelism that we've got to know the Roman's road of salvation. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we've got to know the Roman road, and we've got to know all the scriptures, and we've got to be able to present it in just a, a good quality fashion. No, you don't. All you have to know is this, come and see. And this woman, in just a few minutes, she told her story. And you have a story. And I have a story. And just say, come and see. Turn with me, if you would, to John, the first chapter. John, the first chapter. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is really good. John, the first chapter, and verse... 43 says the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to Philip follow me what did, what did Jesus do what did he do he found Philip and what did he say to Philip follow me now, now what was in Philip's mind may have been different than what was in Jesus mind about following him I would imagine that when Jesus said, follow me, he had the same idea as he had about Peter, follow me, and I'll what? I'll make you a fisher of men. So it says that, that, that Jesus found Philip and said to him, follow me, verse 44. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael. So Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. Years ago, years ago, probably about eleven years ago, I was I was driving in my car, and just right right up Sidewell Road. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard I don't mean I heard an audible voice. I don't mean it was out loud, or it was just it was just that that still small voice, just that that whisper on the inside right down my heart, and he said these words, there are people you know that don't know me. There are people you know that don't know me. And I'm thinking, everybody I know goes to my church. <laughs> I don't get out much. <laughs> I said, everybody I know goes to my church. And he said, again, there are people you know that don't know me. And I just kind of argued with the Lord. I said, I don't know anybody who doesn't know you hardly. And, and let me just tell you something. That is a problem. If all the people you know are saved people, that's a problem. I mean, you're fishing out of the bathtub. Right? You're, you're fishing out of your aquarium. We, we gotta, I mean, we got to find people that don't know him. And so uh, he just said it to me again. There are people you know that don't know me. And I said it out loud. I said, Lord, everybody I know goes to my church. And he said, and they're in your church. I said, oh, really? And so the Lord dealt with me to be a little more, be, be more aggressive with altar calls, kick over the, the you know, the deep down south belt buckle religious ideas of how to get saved and what it means to get saved. And then people just started getting saved. Here's, here's the thing. There are people you know that don't know him. You got friends. You got relatives. 
you got work associates, you got neighbors, right, that don't know him. So notice this, that, that Jesus found Philip. But then it didn't stop there. Philip found Nathaniel. And that is how this is supposed to work. When we begin to follow Jesus, he found us. You didn't find him. You realize you didn't have sense enough to find Jesus, right? Uh, when I got saved, Super Bowl Sunday, 1986, uh, it, it was a Sunday, of course, on the Super Bowl. I'd gone to church that Sunday, but I wasn't living for God. I wasn't right with God. And I didn't wake up that Sunday morning and say, oh, today is the day that I find Jesus. I just happened to go to a Super Bowl party. I mean, it was a... It wasn't a Christian fellowship. It was, I mean, it was a, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a sinner fellowship, right? I mean, it, I mean, there are all kind of things going on, and, and I wasn't looking for Jesus. I wasn't anticipating Jesus. I didn't think, man, you know what? Today I'm turning my life over to Jesus. It wasn't anything like that, but He found me. I didn't have sense enough to find Him. You didn't have sense enough to find Him. And if you drew near to Him, it's because He gave you the grace to draw near to Him because no one can come to Him unless they're drawn. So that's how it works. He found you. But now in response, what are you to do? Y'all help me. What, what are you to do in response to that? Become a good prayer. Become a Bible scholar. I mean, nothing wrong with those things, but is that the direction to us? No, what are we to do? He found us. What are we supposed to do in response? We are to find someone else. I like to say it like this. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. You remember the story about the lepers, the four lepers? And, I mean, there was a famine. There was a famine in their hometown, and, I mean, they, everybody's dying of starvation, and, and then, and so they went, they said, let's go into this other city. If they kill us, well, we're going to die anyway. We're gonna, they're going to either kill us or we're going to starve to death. So we may as well just take a chance. We'll go in there and see if they'll have mercy to us. So they went into this other city, and God had caused that, that everybody in that city heard this sounded like a great army coming. So they left in a hurry, left all the food, left all the cattle. And so these four, these four lepers walked up in there, and man, look at all this stuff, all this provision. And they probably sat down, and they, they, had, they had a meal, and they were looking at all the delicacies around them and enjoying everything. And finally they came to themselves and said, what we're doing is not right. We have all this stuff. We have all this peace. We have all this joy. He's God supplying all of our needs. And there's a world out there that's dying and going to hell. So what we're doing is not right. We need to go back and tell them what we found. And it's the same with us. So Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. So what we're, what we're doing over uh, next week, y'all probably saw that contraption out there. It's a, that contraption, it's got, it's got these bottles hanging off of it. And this is just a... You, you, this is just a way for us to take a step of faith. And so what we're asking everybody to do, there's some sheets of paper out there. We want you to identify one person in your life that you know, you know what, I don't, I don't think they're saved. That, or they might be unchurched, or they might be church, they might be church hurt, or whatever, but, you know, they're just, they're not serving God. And we want you to write that person's name down on that sheet of paper and put it into one of these little bottles. And so what we're going to be doing throughout this week is we're going to pray for them, and then you're going to invite them 
or bring them to church with you Sunday. I, I, I thought it was really I thought it was really cool last week that uh, we gave the altar call and this this person they they lifted their hand and and man I just watched them do it they just they just lifted their hand really high and gave their gave their heart to Jesus and someone told me after the service that man they just when when I was given that altar call they did what sometimes I encourage people to do you know just kind of peek especially if you brought somebody and we say everybody bow your head and close your eyes you brought somebody I say just peek it's kind of and this person said, I, I was kind of I was peeking and I saw I saw my friend's hand go up and she said just made my day just made my day. It'll make your day too. There's nothing that's more satisfying. Right? So we encourage you to, to, to bring that person to you. Now, use a little bait. Matter of fact, we have some cards out there. It says just a little something extra to let you know God loves you. And, and use some bait. I mean, take them to dinner. Take them to lunch. Bribe them. Bake them something. I mean, cook, I mean, cook steaks for them. Invite them to your house Saturday night. Say, no, look, I want you to come to house Saturday night, but I want you to go to church with me Sunday. Or if you go to church with me Sunday, we'll go back and we'll grill steaks Sunday afternoon. I mean, just, I mean, you're fishing. Right? You say, well, that just sounds like fishing. That just sounds like fishing. You're using some bait. Yeah, but that just kind of sounds like manipulation. Isn't that what you do to those fish? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, sometimes you even use a fake worm. Well, so you put that live worm on there, but you're still manipulating because there's a hook in that worm. Why did Jesus call it fishing? Because that's what it is. Now, I'm not suggesting you sin. I'm not even not suggesting. I'm saying don't sin. <laughs> but fish. You know, I think sometimes we lose the heart. And we were singing about the heart of God. We, we lose the heart behind why Jesus even came. He didn't come that we learn about faith, although we ought to. He didn't come that we learn about prosperity, although we ought to. He didn't, he didn't come so we could learn all about that. He, le- he came to reconcile people to God. And that is the mission that he left us with. And that, it ought, that ought to be the highest of our priority. That's why we, we have a church that's just not for church people. Or endeavor to anyway. It's not just about us. Right? It's about those who are not here yet. So this is what we want you to do. We want you to go out there, write a name on that bottle. We're going to be praying all week. And then we want you to make the the ask. I mean, ask them to come. Bring them. Go pick them up. Bring them to a service. Save them a seat. Okay? Are you listening? And we've got some invite cards out there. And... On one side, it's got that little something extra to let you know that God loves you. On the other side, it has a series that we're beginning uh, this coming next week. It's called Asking for a Friend. And we're going to be tackling 
some questions that's just going to hit people right where they're living, okay? And so we're just, just bring, it's going to be totally relevant to their life, and so we're asking you to bring them, all right? So first order of business is this. Jesus found Philip. Has he found you yet? Has he found you? And Revelation says this. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. So first order of business, God wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And from that point, he wants to use you. It's not just what he can do in you. It's what he desires to do through you. Amen. So if you're in here, I want you to, and you've never given, never given Jesus your whole heart and your life. You've never been born again. If you're not sure if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you. And I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to come up to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But just right there in your seat, you can, we, we can pray for you. You can just let me know with an uplifted hand. We're going to pray for you. So just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're in here and you've never been born again, you say, well, well, I don't even know what that means. Well, if you don't know what it means, you probably hadn't. But you've never been born again. Jesus said, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. But if you've never been born again, I would like to pray for you. Or maybe you're here and you've never given your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus. You've never just, I mean, just completely sold out and said, I'm, I'm going to give you my whole heart and my whole life. If you've never done that, I want, I want to pray for you. Or let me say it like this. If you're in here and you say, Pastor Chuck, I don't know if I were to die today, I would go to heaven. I don't, I don't have that confidence. I don't have that assurance. But I would like to know before I leave this place today, I would like to know what my eternal destination is. So if you can't answer that confidently, I want to pray for you. So here we go. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to say one, two, three. When I do, just lift your hand so we can pray for you. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now. Anyone. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Very good. Looking across the room. I'm looking to my left. Lift your hand real high so I can see you. Great. All right. Let's, let's all pray this prayer out loud together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I receive you. I accept you. And I ask you to change me, to make me brand new. I give you all of my heart. I give you all of my life. You are Lord. Amen. Church, let's give these a real big hand, all right?